Welcome to How to Catholic with Kevin and Lisa Cotter, a podcast dedicated to helping you practically live your Catholic faith with excellence. for part two of our four-part series on discernment. And today I will be interviewing my friend, Sister Mary Elizabeth Albers, who is a religious sister with the Society of Our Lady of the Most Holy Trinity, more commonly known as SOLT. In this episode, Sister Mary Elizabeth shares with us the story of her discernment, which led her to become a bride of Christ. And along the way, she gives us five tips for discerning religious life. If you've ever thought maybe God just might be calling me to religious life, you won't want to miss this episode. So let's get started. Hello and welcome to another episode of How to Catholic. Just Lisa here today because we are doing an interview as we continue our four-part series on discernment today. So last week you heard from Kevin and I as we talked about discernment with marriage. And today I have on the line Sister Mary Elizabeth Albers, who is the vocation servant. I just, I love that. She's the vocation servant, not the vocation director, vocation servant for the Society of Our Lady of the Most Holy Trinity which you might know as Salt. So another Salt sister that you might be familiar with would be Sister Miriam James. She's one groovy nun on Twitter. And okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna break for a moment here from the intro because <laughs> I have to ask Sister Mary Elizabeth when she talks about <laughs> Sister Mary in her live <laughs> tweeting sporting events. Is that you? <laughs> Um, no, I can let you know it is not me, but I do know who it is. Okay. Mm-hmm. Cause it's always the back of the veil, right? Like that's the mystery. Behind <laughs> yeah. It. Yeah. She's the Wilson of the sports nun world. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. But it's not you. Okay. It's so that for sure. Nope. nope. Okay. Dispel those. But I have to a few sister Mary photos. So, um, yes. I don't know who it is, but <laughs> the saga continues, but not the sister Mary. Okay. Good to know. <laughs> All right, this sister mm-hmm. Mary <laughs> um, went to Benetton College, and we were there at the same time, which which is great to have someone on the podcast from my past slash still present. We still do get to see each other, which I'll get to. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was there at Benedictine as a student athlete playing basketball that she experienced a life-changing encounter with Jesus, both in the Eucharist and through solid friendships. And I love this little fact that three of your basketball teammates also became religious sisters. Yeah, yeah. It's crazy. It's yeah, it is. It is. I mean, it's a Catholic school, but still, that's pretty that's pretty remarkable. Yes, it is pretty remarkable. And I remember going to some of their bachelorette parties before they entered the convent. <laughs> that's great. Which is a great, you know, Catholic yeah. tradition. Totally. Yep. <laughs> um, so then after graduating from Benedictine, you spent two years as a missionary teaching in Belize, which I have had other friends do. Fantastic program. Mm-hmm. And it was there that... Sister Mary Elizabeth heard the Lord calling her to be his bride. She entered the Salt Sisters in 2006, final vows in 2014, which means like it's a done deal. She's a sister for yeah. life. Yeah. Can't kick nope. <laughs> you are married. Um, <laughs> and currently you are in Seattle, Washington, correct, sister? Mm-hmm. Yep, that's right. 
And in your free time, spending in all kinds of time speaking on vocations, evangelization, mission, which we had the pleasure of getting to do a Steubenville conference together. That was your first Steubenville conference. Yeah. Like two yes. Yeah. Lisa was so good. <laughs> Such a consolation. Oh, uh, it was fun. Yeah. It was fun. So yeah. Great. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. It's good to be here. Yeah, it's so good to have you on. So I'm really excited. So we are doing this four-part series, and today we're doing religious vocations, um, so religious life, to the religious life. So could you quickly, before we dive in, so we've got five tips that you have for our listeners who are in that season of discernment and who may be asking the Lord, are you calling me to the religious life? Um, what is what what is what is religious life? Just very quickly, because I know it kind of covers almost like a couple of like almost like micro vocations. Does that make sense? Like religious life, but in this sure. way, right? So like, what do, what do we mean in the Catholic world mm -hmm. when we say religious life? Right. Yeah. I mean, cause there is kind of sort of this all encompassing reality of consecrated life. So, I mean, we're all consecrated in our baptism and um, it is sort of a, a, a deepening of that or a, a um, kind of a, a different way of living the, the fullness of that, that baptismal consecration in consecrated life. Um, cause we're all set apart for God, uh, ultimately in our baptism. Um, but there are some whom God calls, um, to, um, belong totally to him, uh, just as we all will in heaven directly without any mediation, but, but even here on earth to be this, um, what they call eschatological sign, um, something that points us to heaven just as, um, married love, the love between the spouses is a sign that points us to the love that Christ has for his church. Um, there's also this sign of um, this total, faithful, fruitful gift of self um, with, with God, um, even in this life, kind of an anticipation of that resurrected life. Um, and so then within religious life, you can have, um, you can be cloistered, so you can live um, a completely contemplative life. Um, but then there's also um, what we call contemplative active, so those that you might see out in the world. Um, and I belong to what's called a society of apostolic life. Um, and so we make vows of poverty, chastity, and obedience. We live in community. Um, and um, yeah, so there's different forms. Like it's almost like God is like this, you know, multifaceted diamond and like no one way can encompass everything. So yeah. um, there's just different of, of living the consecrated life. Awesome. So would you say you're a nun or are you a sister or is there a difference? I know, because Sister Miriam James is one groovy nun, but actually, technically, um, we are not nuns. So a nun would be someone that is cloistered, okay. um, like Carmelite or, um, you know, poor Claire. Um, so we would technically be a sister. There you mm -hmm. go. Okay, so... Nuns are... Yes, it's very, yeah, it can be confusing. <laughs> yeah, I know, yeah. Uh, there, there are many, many facets. And so then also included in religious life for the men who are listening, that would include if you were to become yes. a, a religious brother, but not become exactly. a priest. Well, um, so you can be a religious priest, like a priest in a religious community, um, but that's kind of um, separate from like a diocesan priest. Ah, um, okay. And so like my brother, for example, uh, he's a Benedictine, um, mm -hmm. so he's religious, but he's also a priest, but then they do have consecrated brothers as well. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. Interesting. And, and you've yeah. to mention too that your brother is the abbot of his community, correct? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he's the one yeah. in charge. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Love it. And his community is the community that's in Atchison, Kansas at Benedictine College. Mm -hmm. So that was mm -hmm. really special that you went to the school where your brother at the time, was he prior, I think? Was that right? He, uh, I, th I think he became prior during my time there. 
Um, but yeah, no, he had just been ordained the year before and he had been in, in Rome for the previous three years. So his first year back was my freshman year of college. So it was, it was, oh yeah, it was such a blessing so cool. um, to have for sure. Okay. Now, do you have other siblings? Yeah. So there's, <clears throat> pardon me, there's five of us. So he's the middle and then I'm the youngest. Um, and the other three are married with kids. So I have lots of nieces and nephews and now great nephews. And yeah, so we have a, a big, well, I mean, I say five, you know, in the Catholic world, sometimes that's kind of small, but <laughs> there's five of us at all. No, but that's still amazing that two of you answered the call to religious vocations. Very cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I've always kind of felt that like our vocations were connected that, um, mm. you know, part of, uh, my vocation is really to, to pray and to, to sacrifice and to offer for, um, the church and for the priesthood. So, um, kind of like this mysterious connection there, um, I thought maybe I would be a Benedictine. Maybe we'd be a Benedictine Scholastica, but <laughs> the Lord had <laughs> Love it. Oh, I love it. Okay, good. So obviously in your family, there's a history of discernment and discerning religious mm-hmm. life well. So I'm so excited to have you on. And also you are the vocation servant. I love that too mm-hmm. for your community. So I am really excited to share with our listeners today some tips for discerning religious life specifically. So let's get started with <laughs> number one and... Uh, okay. Sister, put all these into one words for me. So the first one is, it's going to help you remember them, right? So the first one is God. That's, that's your first word. <laughs> and then kind of the subtitle would be run towards Christ. So tell us about that, how part of the discernment process. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, just the the title itself kind of comes from um, someone that both you and I uh, know and are friends with. And uh, I think it's a very dear friend. Uh, with you from from school, so we went to Benedictine with Sarah Swafford, and um, she kind of tells this story of um, you know, kind of in in discernment of like, okay, Lord, what are you calling me to? And and maybe looking at you know, dating different, you know, like should I date this person or should I do this? And she received the advice that um, she should run towards Christ, and when she gets to him, look out of the corner of her eye and see who's running with you. Um, and when I heard that, I thought, gosh, that is just such good advice for everyone. Um, because I think it really puts God, uh, primary and that might seem super obvious, right. To like start with God, but it's something I really have to be reminded of on a daily basis. Absolutely. Um, cause it could be so easy to like put the pressure on, on ourselves and forget that, um, I mean, in everything, like all throughout our day, uh, God manifests his, his desires and his will, but, but particularly with our vocation, you know, that it's an initiative coming wholly from the father. Um, and so really to have, to have God be, um, the one who I'm looking to for that, you know, catechism number one, I love that it starts with God infinitely perfect and blessed in himself, you know, um, in this plan of sheer goodness freely creates man to share in his own blessed life, because it really puts that first word of God, like, um, that I want to look to him. Um, and I really think this is kind of how it worked in my life. Um, you know, like we said, I grew up in a, in a loving Catholic family and they, uh, saw the, you know, vocation as, um, or vocation to religious life as this blessed thing, you know, um, and seeing my brother that was a priest, I knew that it was a joy filled vocation. Um, you know, but I think it didn't appeal to me initially on like a natural level. Um, and then I also kind of kept God at a distance and I thought more along the lines of like, well, if I just get myself together, if I just figure things out, then I'm going to be happy. Um, and then maybe the Lord will kind of step in and do some things. Um, but I wasn't really looking to him or really trusting that he, you know, had a plan and, and loved me and had great desires for me. 
Um, I remember from being, I would say probably, you know, pretty young, like, you know, early teens, just having this great desire to be a spouse, you know, Mm -hmm. um, to just have my life like totally and intimately bound up with another, um, and to have a family. I've always seen this as a nephew just loved kids. And, um, I really struggled to trust God enough to believe that his plans for me could bring me the joy that I desired. Um, and so kind of like that first point of, you know, like as I share more of my story, like just being surprised by the joy that he had in store, you know, that it was so much greater than I could have imagined. Mm-hmm. Um, but that first part of kind of, um, you know, okay, Lord, like you know me better than I know myself. You love me more than I love myself. Um, okay, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna try to turn to you again and again and just, um, see what you have for me. Yeah. And I love how you mentioned that joy. Um, you know, recently I got an Instagram message from somebody and they said, I'm, I'm kind of, I need you to set me straight here because I'm afraid that God's going to make me be a nun. And she said, you know, all these people keep saying, oh, you'd be such a great nun because they see her at daily mass. And she's like, can't I be holy and like discern my own vocation? Like, like, and that might not mean that, you know, but like, I'm like, honey, that if that joy is not there, like that's not Mm -hmm. God's call for you. Like you don't need to be afraid, Mm -hmm. right? Like God doesn't, you know, he's not going to force you. Right. Yeah, no, exactly. And even like one of my good friends from my novitiate group, you know, like initially when she received the call, like it was that it was like, this, you know, like, please, but she also had the grace and the courage to say that whatever it is, like you know, change my heart, like help me to desire it. Or that prayer of like, like desire to desire it, you know? Yeah. Um, and ultimately he's able to do that. He's able to like work in our hearts, but, but yeah, that mark of, of joy that, um, he actually wants our, our joy and our happiness and our peace and fulfillment and every good thing, like infinitely more than we even do. So mm-hmm. it was good advice, Lisa. <laughs> okay. Okay, good. I got it right. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. So that kind of first tip, that first thing you need is God. And then the second one that you have that I love is relationship. So talk to me about that. Why are relationships a part of this process? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, I think, um, well, I mean, sort of like the, the, the theological answer is that because God is relationship in himself, right? Like he is love. He is family, like in the, the deepest mystery of who God is. Um, and so he's made us like when we talk about being made in his image and likeness, he's made us in that same way for a relationship. And so, yeah, like ultimately with him. Um, and then also it's not separate with others either, you know? Um, and so that's where that kind of like look out of the corner of your eye and see who's running with you comes from, because this was something that I really learned so much in my time in Belize that God, um, he meets us where we're at, not where we think we should be. Mm. Um, but when I was in college, um, again, like really just pursuing what I thought would make me happy. Um, I was on the basketball team and I loved playing basketball. Um, you know, I loved school and I had friends, but, um, I think, you know, not having like really encountered Jesus and his love for me. Um, I was, I was really trying to find happiness on my own and, um, was in a dating relationship um, towards the end of my time in college, kind of my junior and senior year. And it was, I mean, to the point where, yeah. (laughs) I do Um, remember. And everybody was kind of like, is this going to end with a ring? Like, I mean, it was like, it was a real relationship. It was serious. Yeah, no, it really was. It was, I mean, we had talked about marriage. Like he had, he had the ring, like it was, it was going to happen, you know? Um, 
but there's a couple of things that really stand out to me when I think about it, um, which is that um, on in in a lot of ways it was it was a good relationship. Like he, um, so a good man, um, faithful Catholic. Like um, we connected on so many levels, made each other laugh all the time, you know. Um, but I think probably that we also had both of us had a lot of you know brokenness within ourselves as we all do, um, and I don't think we were at a point where um, like in our own walk with the Lord. Like I know for myself, I wasn't at a point where I was virtuous virtuous enough to be in a relationship that was going to lead someone else to deeper holiness, you know? Um, and so I think we just, we struggled in the area of virtue as time went on as in chastity as time went on. And, um, I had a good friend in college. So I was in a, a Bible study with all these, um, different like women athletes. So some from the soccer team and basketball team and volleyball team. And, um, one of my friends, uh, she, she just kind of said to me, and it was hard to hear at the time. She, she didn't say anything about like, you know, oh, you know, I noticed you're doing this or that, or, or, you know, kind of calling me to the, to the rug or whatever. But it was like, it was like, I just don't see you being like, like the happiest, like most joyful, like best version of you. Like, I see you kind of like losing part of yourself, you know? Um, and like I said, that wasn't easy to hear, but, um, she was, uh, you know, Ginger, um, Ginger Winder, she was, uh-huh. um, we were on the basketball team together and she was just becoming Catholic at the time. Uh-huh. And I was her sponsor our senior year. And so we were roommates and we had kind of one of those like bunk beds and would pray a rosary though every night before we went to sleep. And I just kind of remember like, even though I think we had that conversation right before the rosary, it was really hard to hear. There was, I think also a grace to kind of be like, okay, I got to listen to this, you know? Um, And the more that I really kind of had the courage to look at things as they really were, um, I started to see that. I don't know that this is really what the Lord is calling me to. Um, I would kind of think about the future and it was a little bit like kind of grayscale, you know, like if you think about like color versus grayscale, like there just wasn't that joy and that hope. And, and I didn't see us really leading each other to heaven, you know, like to a deeper holiness. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I probably prayed for like a good month for the courage to be able to end it because, you know, like, I mean, it's hard. And, yeah. and I did, I did love him. And, and, um, and so much of what I thought my future was going to be was, was with that. Um, but also too, like when we finally did um, end the relationship and kind of start moving forward, it was, you know, it took a little bit of time, but um, by the middle of my second semester, senior year, it was kind of, you know, okay, I was moving in a different direction and there was such peace. Like there really was, um, they say that's the one thing that the evil one can't really mimic, you know, is like true mm. peace. Um, and that is what I experienced. And it was kind of at that time that I started to, you know, of course, everybody's asking, what are you going to do? And, you know, I thought, well, I thought I was going to have an MRS degree when I got out of this, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I, I thought I was know, walking you know, down so. the aisle. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of thought that was taken care of. Um, but I, I felt this call to like mission of some kind. Um, like that was, if, if there was a word on my heart, that's just what it was. And I didn't really know what to make of it. Um, I interviewed for focus and I love focus. Like um, it was just a huge part of my college experience and my conversion and my encounter with Jesus. Um, and when I went out to Colorado to, to interview, I remember thinking like, you know, hearing Curtis Martin speak and be like, I will follow you anywhere. <laughs> like, <laughs> like this is, this is real. Um, but I also like my brother told me about this uh, opportunity in Belize. And as I kind of like prayed about it a bit, um, I just, yeah, like I, I felt like I was supposed to, uh, leave the country and, um, not stay on, you know, like in the college, uh, like mission field. 
Um, and so that's what I did. And I remember like just kind of making the decision and somebody asked me about it during the summer and I'm like, Oh my goodness, that is what I'm doing. Holy cow. Okay. (laughs) Um, but, but I think those relationships, right. Like, um, that, um, just being attentive to them, like, uh, are we, are we, um, headed towards like, are we, are we helping each other to heaven? Are we, you know, inspiring each other? Are we challenging each other? Um, all those relationships. Yeah. They're just so, so important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it's, I think it's imp- like just the thought of like, like, don't try to do this alone and like pay attention to who you're doing mm-hmm. it with. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Beautiful. Okay. So that is tip number two. Um, our relationships looking out of the corner that I and see like who's running with you and are they helping you get towards Jesus or are they holding you back from him and be, a, be attentive mm-hmm. to that if God's calling you somewhere. Um, okay. So number three, let's head to number three here. Our third tip is <laughs> grace, which mm-hmm. I just, I love. Tell me a little bit about that. Why grace? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I think, I don't know for myself, I had a friend tell me not too long ago that like, you're always looking for the silver bullet. Like you're looking for like that thing that's just going to like unlock everything. And as I, I think that's probably true, but I really, for me, like I have to keep learning this lesson over and over, but I really do think that it is grace. It is the sacraments. And for, and particularly, I think those two that are so much a part of our sort of, you know, uh, moment to moment life, which is confession and the Eucharist. Um, when I went down to Belize, there were still, oh gosh, I mean, the, the gospel verse I always think of is when Jesus says, you know, don't build your house on sand, build it on, on a solid foundation. And it's just like, I still have so much sand, but like, I really had so much sand that needed to be cleared out. And Mm. what I found was, um, just the availability of the sacraments at the mission down there. I was a a teacher and, um, we would make a holy hour every day. I mean, we didn't have to, but there was this beautiful open air church in Belize and like, you know, it's, it's, 7 p.m. and it's dark and it's lit up by candles and uh, you're just there with Jesus. And, and a lot of times it's just silent. It's just peace. But um, it's kind of like when you're in the you know presence of the sun outside, you don't always feel it, but it is affecting you. And um, and I think uh, that and and particularly confession, just um, never, never being down for the count, you know, always kind of turning back and turning back. Um, was just so huge in, in helping that me come to a place where I could be receptive, where I could accept that, uh, God loves me, um, and that he really sees me and, and wants beautiful things for my life. Um, and so there was, I would say grace, um, particularly prayer and the sacraments, and then those same elements of community. Um, there were other, other, um, volunteers down there where we were all kind of headed in the same direction. And, um, I had a couple of great priests that I could talk to about things. Um, so that, that point that you made of don't do it alone. So eventually when I was kind of called to religious life, it was, um, at the end of this kind of stretch where it was just a lot of consolation, my second year teaching and people would, I think it was like January, like a few times people came up to me and just like, why are you smiling all the time? <laughs> and I'm like, uh, Jesus loves me. I don't know, you know? Mm-hmm. And I remember being, we, we went on a vacation to the South of Belize once and I was, or, you know, that about that time and I'm in the water and I'm like, I don't have a job. Like, I mean, I did, I was like serving, <laughs> but like, I didn't know what I was going to do the next year. Right. Like, yeah. you know, I'd applied to grad school and things, but like, you know, I don't have what the world says you should have for security and I don't have a boyfriend and I don't really know what I'm doing, but I am so happy. Like I'm so peaceful. And I'm like, why is that? And it really was, uh, cause I was at peace in my relationship with the Lord. And, um, 
and I knew that no matter, you know, mistakes and, and failings and all these things, but still like, like he was there. And, um, so it was kind of during that time that, uh, you know, that, that sort of like those constellations were increasing and that the relationship was kind of, you know, intensifying. And so I asked, um, and I had been thinking about religious life for a while. There was another couple of young ladies down there who we would pray morning prayer together. And I, they had visited a couple convents during their summer. And so I'd ask them lots of questions and, um, you know, you sort of remember the big high moments, but there were a lot of just day in and day out, like it would occur to me or dawn on me and I would think about it. And so I asked the priest like, well, what should I do if I want to kind of more intentionally discern? And he said, well, um, why don't you read Vita Consecrata, which I didn't really even know what that was. I mean, it, it means like consecrated life. Like it's like the the exhortation by JP2 on consecrated yeah, life. Yeah, so it's got to be a papal document. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. So, but I, I was like, I mean, I really didn't know much at all. And so I he was like, go ask this other girl, you know, she went to Catholic school and she'll know and, and she'll probably have it. And so I asked her not really thinking like, oh, then she's going to know that I'm thinking about <laughs> religious life. And she was like, oh, what? You know? And so, but as I was reading that document, like, I mean, it's the church's heart on, on consecrated life, you know, and just things in, in me were just opening up as I was reading it. And I remember at a certain point thinking like, yeah, I mean, I want to live this way. I don't know why anyone would want to live any other way, but then, you know, if you're, if you're called to it, it will, it will resonate. Um, and, um, and so I was in adoration, um, in February, February 25th, actually of that second year in Belize and, um, just spent a little bit more time than usual, just, you know, really praying for people. I remember interceding a lot. And then at a certain point I just had this grace, like I can only recognize it as a grace, even to ask the question. Cause I'd probably asked it a lot, but it really was like, like, Lord, what do you want? I trust you with my life, whatever it is. And what is it that you want? And, um, it's never happened before in my life, never, you know, uh, happened since then, but just a very clear, um, almost like an interior voice of, I want you to be my beloved as a salt sister. And wasn't that so good of him? Like you made it so clear, <laughs> like even yeah, the community you got the billboard. Uh, yeah, exactly. I know. Cause like, some of my sisters are like, it's not actually that helpful when you tell your story because <laughs> he kind of hits you over the head, you know, um, which is true. I think he does have to kind of like, for me, he had to hit me over the head or I, I probably wouldn't have done it or seen it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, which is not to say like there were, there's lots of challenges that come, even if you, even if you're have a degree of certainty, but, um, but no, that was, it was, um, was pretty clear, um, that initial call, uh, you know, St. Ignatius talks about, there's some things that, um, there's just like a knowing that isn't really even from reasoning to it. Um, and so that's just the grace that I was able to receive, um, which was, which was very beautiful. Um, and then the hard part came kind of like, you know, later, but, um, but yeah, that, that prayer, that community, and then that service, um, you know, just, I was, you know, living in this life of just kind of on a day-to-day basis, serving the kids and the kids were kind of our life down there. And, and you're just pouring yourself out in love. And it's amazing, you know, kind of when, when you're just giving yourself day in and day out and it's hard, but it's, it's wonderful that, um, the Lord just kind of simplifies things. And, um, so people, yeah, a lot of times they'll ask me for, you know, like, what should I do to discern? And I just keep always coming back to those three things of like that life of prayer and grace and the sacraments. And then, don't do it alone. Um, and then find ways to, to serve and to give and, um, particularly like in, in, in the church, if possible, you know, um, if there's that call to religious life, then, then it is at the heart of the church. So. I love that. That's so practical. We love being practical on the how to podcast. <laughs> so yeah. And I, I, I think too, because you were in a state of grace, which 
I, mm. whenever I talk with people about discernment, I'm always, like my first question or one of them is like, are you praying mm-hmm. and are you in a state of grace? Cause if those mm-hmm. foundations, spiritual foundations aren't there, you're not going to be able to hear God's voice. It's nope. so like That's if you and your boyfriend are in a relationship that is not that's separating you from God that's causing sin in your life well then that's putting you out of grace and that's Mm -hmm. really hard to hear Jesus when Mm -hmm. you put yourself in that situation but you were doing the opposite you were like poured on you know so like that's beautiful that 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 all came together Mm -hmm. and I think even just being outside of my comfort zone in a different country with a lot of you know sort of things removed that um, I will easily attach myself to um yeah, God just knew. That's the other piece of it. That sort of like um, trusting that, like God's got this. You know, <laughs> like He's got it. It might not seem like it. We might, you know, um, but He really does. He is the hound, the hound of heaven, right? Like He He knows He knows what He's about, and He knows what we need. Yeah. And I want to, um, will you one more time give that papal document? Cause I think that could also be a, an excellent thing for anybody who's considering religious life to read that document. That makes a lot mm-hmm. of sense to me. Like if you want to understand what you might be saying yes to, why not read what the church says about it? Yeah. Yeah. So that's, it's Vita Consecrata, um, which basically just means consecrated life. Um, it's written by, it's a, there was a synod on consecrated life. And so it's the document that comes at the end of the synod. Perfect. Um, Written in 96, I think. Oh, gosh, I should know better, but it's 94 or 96. <laughs> That's okay. Yeah. Okay, so add that to your list. If you are discerning, go read that. Go read that. Yeah, it's beautiful. And and really, like, I'll often tell, you know, recommend to, to young women that are discerning to, like, read it and pray through it. You know, take it a bit of time. Like, almost like you would do with, like, scripture, like meditation. Mm-hmm. Um, take a bit of the time and, and kind of, um, yeah, pray with it, too. Fantastic. Okay. So that's number three is grace. Mm-hmm. We need that mm-hmm. grace. And let's go to number four, which I love this one. Mom. That's our word. So why mom? I'm yeah. Sure, hopefully so, people can pick this up, but uh, go ahead, explain right, it. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, so no, I would say like, for me, like our lady is just like the secret weapon. Um, so entrusting your vocation to the blessed mother. Um, I love when sister Miriam shares her story of, you know, her own mom getting to the point of just being like, I don't know what to do with this girl. And I'm just, you know, I'm going to give her to the blessed mother. And, um, I just, I mean, I'm called, I belong to a community that is Marian. So it's the society of our lady of the most holy Trinity. Um, but when I entered, like my family prayed the rosary quite a bit growing up, like a lot of times after dinner. And I was in a practice of, of praying the rosary quite often. Um, but I think still, um, I sort of had, um, I don't know, there's this quote, like, um, you know, why, why do people not have devotion to Mary? And they're like, well, you know, if Jesus is just an idea to people, ideas don't have mothers, you know? So as I was, um, kind of not really seeing her as a person, you know, not really relating to her, I guess I would say. Um, and then I enter this community where everybody is like, you know, very devoted to our blessed mother and, you know, very much in a relationship and just kind of dependent upon her. Um, I was kind of like, oh, wow. Like, I don't know that I have that. Um, but then I looked back and I realized that I did make a consecration to Jesus through Mary, the one that, um, St. Louis de Montfort outlines, 
um, while I was in Belize. I think it was my first year. Yeah. Um, and it was kind of one of those things where everybody was doing it for Lent and they're like, do you want to do it? And I'm like, yeah, I think that sounds good. And even then, like God knows my weakness, um, like because everyone was doing it, then I had people to do it with. And so I was faithful, you know, um, even when we were on this big canoe trip, you know, we would pray it in the tent and different things, but, um, it's this entrustment of ourselves to Jesus through his blessed mother, because, um, you know, that's how our Lord, how our Lord came. Like he, uh, the Holy Spirit overshadowed our lady and, um, she conceived Jesus in her. And so, um, that's how he comes. And so I noticed that when I looked back, when that consecration, um, when I had made that, like after that, things kind of started moving a bit, um, in just in my life and in, you know, maybe growth and virtue, uh, but then also in kind of like my vocation. And so, um, I love it when, I mean, I don't know, you know, if sometimes people do this at their weddings where they'll, they'll, they'll go and they'll consecrate, you know, their, their marriage to our blessed mother, just different things like that. Like, um, I just think it's a beautiful practice to kind of, um, entrust everything to her. And, um, I've just found over the years more and more, um, just kind of, she never fails. <laughs> yeah, no, I love, I, I love this. So for those who are faithful listeners and you're keeping score, you're probably like, where's the hack? Like we're almost the end of the episode here. And that, that is sister's hack for us is that consecration to Jesus through mm-hmm. Mary um, by Louis de Montfort. So mm-hmm. I, I will definitely link to that. Yes. And Kevin and I, um, we did, yeah, we absolutely did that at our <laughs> wedding. So, so well, oh, I love yeah. it. <laughs> so yeah, we finished, you know, the day before the wedding and then we did the consecration oh. day is our wedding day. So when we took, oh, um, oh. yeah, we took oh. flowers over to Mary and then that's when we prayed the consecration was during our wedding mass. Um, so that was really cool. Wow. Yeah. That's yeah. yeah. So I think any really? vocation, I, I love this tip. You gotta yeah. include your mom. Mm-hmm. Why would yeah. you, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, indeed. Yeah. Very good. Okay, so the last one here, and I'm assuming this is Italian because you put it in. Uh, it's not a language. Yeah, it's yeah. Cor- coraggio. Is that how you yeah. say it? Yeah, you'd be able to say it better than I would. Um, I got it from. There's like a story that JP too, when he was like first coming out on, you know, the um, coming out as as Holy Father. Whenever the crowd, you know, they'd be cheering, cheering, cheering. When they when they died down there'd be this lone voice of coraggio, you know, like courage. And it turned out to be, um, father Raniero Cantalamesa, who's the papal preacher for, for him and, and those kind of things. So I just love that story of like, you know, even if it's just a lone voice saying it, coraggio, you know, Um, yeah. And, um, there's that quote from Pope Francis. I don't know if I quite have it right, but it's ask Jesus what he wants of you and be brave, you know, and JP two saying, be not afraid. And, um, just that, I mean, I, I kind of returning back to the same, the same first point of, um, the Lord loves you. He loves, he loves each one of us, uh, so immensely, so intensely, you know? And so, um, you know, not to be afraid of like, oh, I made, I made this mistake or did I, did I miss the boat? Did I, did I ruin things? Like he's the God of the universe. He can work in all of that. Um, you know, when St. Julian of Norwich says, all shall be well, all shall be well, all manner of things shall be well. And I'm like, she knows I needed to hear it repeated like (laughs) a few different times, you know, Mm -hmm. like, um, just that, that, that courage that comes from knowing that God can work good out of all things. Um, and, uh, we can't in a sense, like 
Yes. I mean, we want to be responding to grace always. And that's, that's the fullness of uh, his plan and his desire and his will for us. But um, to not let fear or discouragement uh, become an obstacle because that can be super easy to do. Mm, yeah. Yeah. In any vocation for sure. Um, <laughs> I, I, I can definitely see that though in a very unique way with religious life because it is so mm-hmm. radical and, you know, there's mm-hmm. kind of this expectation of, well, this is how I thought life was supposed to look because that's what most lives look like. But mm-hmm. really you're, you're stepping out in a unique way of courage. So I love that encouragement to wrap mm-hmm. up your five tips or yeah. <laughs> steps, or I don't know, you can call them really anything, yeah. but five, five things. <laughs> yeah. All the things, all the things. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much, sister Mary Elizabeth. It's been so fun to hear your story from you. I know parts of it from my own secondhand experience, um, but to hear mm-hmm. it all together, um, mm-hmm. is, is really neat, even just for me. And I'm sure that it will encourage those of you listening who are discerning and who are just asking the Lord what he wants from you. I think this is perfect to end with just be brave, be brave. Mm-hmm. He knows you better than you know yourself. You don't need to be afraid. So mm-hmm. yeah. amen. Well, we always end with a how-to challenge and an action point for our listeners. So what would you like to challenge our listeners to as a result of this episode? Mm-hmm. Um, I think I just go back to that. Um, I mean, it's the month of May, right? Like Our Lady is especially, uh, she just wants to do beautiful things. Um, and so I guess I would just recommend um, maybe even like first thing when you wake up in the morning, um, or if you forget then just sometime during the day, just praying a Hail Mary or a Memorare, whichever is kind of your favorite prayer to our Blessed Mother, and just asking her to help you to be open to God's will or to, you know, just be be docile and, and um, you know, uh, flexible and, and whatever, whatever he desires and to, and to desire it as well and to change our hearts wherever they need to be changed. So I think just kind of that point of um, interesting things to, to our Blessed Mother uh, with a little gaze towards her at some point during the day. Mm-hmm. Super easy. I think we can all do that. Mm-hmm. One Hail Mary a day for openness yeah. to God's will. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Well, I hope you all do that. Those of you who are listening in. Well, so to find out more, let's, uh, let me tell you where you can find out more about Salt and Sister Mary Elizabeth. So you can mm-hmm. check out their website, which is, I have it written down. I'm looking at my notes. Here it is, salt.net. That's so easy. <laughs> <laughs> and for volunteering, if you want to go to Belize, is that site meetsalt.com? Can they find out about that there? Yep. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you're, you're, you know, heading towards graduation or maybe you've graduated, right. You don't have to just have graduated to, to right. do it. Oh. Right. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's right. Yes. And like I said, I've had other friends do, um, do a year in Belize as well. I highly recommend it. Just a beautiful mm-hmm. experience, a way to, to volunteer and to serve and to help in that process of discernment. So check out meetsalt.com if you want to learn more about going to Belize and you can follow the sisters on the gram at salt sisters. Now, are you yourself on social media, sister? So that I run the, the sisters Instagram. So we just started that up oh, a few months ago. So nice. it's been fun. <laughs> okay. So it's salt sisters, but really the heart uh, behind it is yeah. sister. You, you're in oh, the yeah. inside now. Just give me your picture. So it doesn't look like it's just selfies of me. Come on. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. Love it. Love it. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you again for being on the episode, sister. 
Thank you so much, Lisa. It was a joy. Good, good. Well, that is our show for today. Thank you for listening in. If you want to connect with Kevin and I, our email is hello at made2magnified.com. Or you can find us on Twitter and Instagram. Kevin is at Kevin R. Cotter and I am at Lisa Ann Cotter. And that is Ann with no E. As always, if you enjoy the show, please give it a rating on iTunes, add it to your podcast subscriptions, and tell a friend. These little things help get the word out about how to Catholic. Until next week, be saints. It's worth it. <laughs>